Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thirsters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I don't have a reseller with me. I don't have anyone from the reselling community with me. I have Julia, and you guys probably don't know who Julia is, but you're going to get to know her today. You can find her on Instagram as Julia Curated, and um, I'm just going to have her share who she is because I accidentally stumbled across across Julia's Instagram page. (laughs) And basically fell in love and now we're friends. So (laughs) Julia, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm like, so I am a huge podcast listener. Like it's what I do every single day is I put in my headphones and I listen to podcasts. And I think it's such a good forum to have real conversations, to share information. And it's really fun. So now I get to do it, which I'm just amped about. Yes. And this is our first time on Zoom, which I thought was fascinating. <laughs> I missed it. Like during the pandemic and everything, everyone's talking about Zooms. And I'm like, look, I'm a stay at home mom. Like I see my husband on them, but I don't, I didn't have an opportunity. Well, now you do. I, I FaceTimed, but that's just not as cool as Zoom. I feel like I, now you feel official. Like I've officially Zoomed. Official. Yes. <laughs> So Julia, why don't you share your story with everyone, who you are, how you kind of got started with Julia Curated and and where this all kind of fell. Oh, I also want to mention Julia's renovating her farmhouse, which is how I actually found her. (laughs) Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know how. So I was looking up something. I don't remember what it was, um, Instagram, and you popped up and I was like, this girl is my vibe. I'm going to watch her. And then I was like obsessed. And then I reached out to Julia because I was like, okay, she likes things that are antique and, and vintage and thrifted. And I was like, she's my girl. She just doesn't know it yet. (laughs) Well, that's so funny that you found me through the house. Yeah. So, um, like, do you like, do I start with backstory? I can do. Yeah. Because before you were a stay at home mom, you had another life. So I did. I did. I was actually in advertising. Um, I worked for, Virginia Living Magazine, um, which is like a local publication here, not local, it's to the state, um, as an advertising executive, and I worked for iHeartMedia, and then I also, yeah, I also had um, an antique store kind of spliced in between there. Um, I did it for three years, then I worked for Virginia Living and iHeartMedia, and then I came back, when I came back to Stanton, me and my husband moved back from Richmond. I opened it back up and then we bought the house and then I got pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Been a busy few years. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay, I can't run a shop and do all this stuff, renovate the house. And so, yeah, I'm just, now I'm mainly doing Julia curated on Instagram, which is so much fun. And it's been such a, I mean, so July 24th is going to be my one year anniversary and, and I can so much, I know. And I think it's so crazy and amazing. And I don't know why I just, I feel like I have been very lucky that people like you have, have found me and we've been able to connect. And that's really what I wanted. You know, I started Julia curated because I needed a social connection like being a young first time mom in a pandemic. Um, it was very lonely, even though my husband was working from home, he's yeah. got a high intensity job. And so my one-year-old wasn't talking to me. And so I needed somebody to fulfill that void. And I also needed to feel creative. Um, so I think that's, that's why it started. And it started differently. Actually, it started mainly as the home account. Hmm. where I was doing renovations and putting everything online that way and just showing the day-to-day of what it looks like to live in like an 1860s hot mess that's falling down around me and I'm just trying to prop it back up (laughs) so we can live in it. (laughs) Right. But it's beautiful and everything you've done. Guys, I'm going to link Julia's stuff in the description. You Like her house is like a dream. It really is. But you've put so much work and so much attention to it, which we'll talk all about. But keep going. I'm interrupting. Sorry. Well, no, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I always go all over the place when I think about like how things start, because there's always so many ties Absolutely. To how you get there. Well, I think what I did want to mention, you created a video recently um, where you talked about kind of your backstory and who you were and all mm-hmm. of that and how you kind of fell into Julia Curated. And something that you mentioned in that video was what your degree was in. 
Yes. So, so my, yeah, I'm art history um, with public history minor. And I went to school locally here in Stanton, Mary Baldwin College. Now it's Mary Baldwin University. It was single sex education, just women, and now it's co-ed. But we had a very interesting degree program in which you could do public history minor and study historic preservation. And not a lot of programs, not a lot of colleges oh. offer that anymore. So I, you know, and I kind of said this in the video, I had an opportunity to learn about older houses and all that goes into it. But I had no idea what it was like to live in one and renovate one. <laughs> Did your background influence your love for like antiques and absolutely. And, okay. Absolutely. But see, here's the weird thing. And maybe you're like this too. Yeah. Um, I have been drawn to old items to antique and thrift since I was a child. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe it's that old soul thing. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I am a open-minded person. So if somebody's like, Hey, you lived in a past life and you were in Downton Abbey, I'd, I would be like, yes, that's me. Sign me up. <laughs> yep. I was Lady Mary. You've got yeah. that right. <laughs> so funny you say this is today. I was having this conversation with a coworker about old souls and all that. And I just said to her, we were talking about fashion and how it's changed so much throughout the years. Uh -huh. Now I work in state government. So talking about fashion is not a common theme. What we talk about, we talk I mean, about fashion. <laughs> But um, I said to her, when I look back at older pictures of like 1920s, 19, early 1900s, 1930s, 1940s, I just look back and I'm like, I belonged there. What yes. am I doing here in 2022? I okay, can't stand then, it. Yes. Then you get it. See, then that's mm -hmm. so funny because you're like, no, I'm this specific era. Yes. And you can pinpoint it because you're yep. drawn to those things. And see, I feel like, I feel like I'm definitely... 40s, 50s. I can see in 40s, 50s for you. Yeah. I, see I just, whenever I see an item and, you know, I'll be in an antique store, I'll be at an auction. I am honed in on a little bit of mid-century or before. Mm. And it's like, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just naturally drawn to it. Yep. Yeah. And the same crazy. thing for with the fashion. Yeah. There's totally. just something about vintage and that whole, and, I, and I'm just talking about fashion because I specifically want to talk about houseware and decorating a home and all of that. I'm drawn to farmhouse. Now I live in New England. So farmhouse kind of is a thing, but not, yeah. not really. It's a lot of like the Cape nautical, like that's yeah. typically what people think of when you think of New England. Right. But I am so drawn to Southern style of living when it comes to decorating a home. And as that has evolved with time and since we moved into the house and everything, I find that my fashion now is starting to change and kind of like mimic that as well. And maybe it's because I love Joanna Gaines and she kind of started all of that for me, but, right. but just like, I'm a little influenced by it all. So like, I think that's why I'm also drawn to you is oh. a lot of things that you wear, a lot of things that you do, a lot of things that you show. It's like, yeah, like I, I vibe with that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you say that I, and I mentioned this too, and I say this all the time, do you dress like your house? And it's some people, and I, I talked about this a little bit where I said established style, right? We're all mm -hmm. on this journey to, I think, establish our style, to find our style. Some of us come to it quicker than others. Some people take a long time to figure that out. Some people change midway through. They go from being like complete modernist to being like, no, I like farmhouse. Yep. You know, and it's having that flexibility with yourself that, makes us all interesting and makes us all different. Yeah. So you get your degree, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do straight out of college? What, what do you, what do you get to do with that degree? So I got <laughs> hired by an architect. Wow. Okay. And I worked. Yeah. It was, um, it was wild. Like all of my friends were, it was totally random how I landed on, in it. Um, luck of the draw, but I met well, it's kind of, you know, it makes sense now that I'm thinking about it. So I've got gumption. I'm, I'm one of those people that if I see something that I like, I get it. I, I will strive to get it. Yes. And I was living in a house in a cute historic house here in Stanton. And they were working on a house across the street. And I saw the workers there and I saw them slowly renovating it. 
And I noticed them making some questionable changes to the house. Mm. So I walked in the foyer one day and I was like, are you the owner? And it was a man named Mr. West. And he said, no, I'm not the owner. And I said, can you give me his number? And he said, no. (laughs) So I said, okay, well, I'm going to go look at the deed of trust. Every town has a, you know, every house has a deed of trust. You can look up who owns it. And then you can use handy dandy Google to find out who owns it. So I called the man and I said, look, you have a Victorian house here and I would not choose this exterior color. And he said, (laughs) I mean, this is how rude I am. And he said, well, not very um, Southern of you. I know. Well, well, what is your name? And I was like, I'm Julia. (laughs) You should already know who I am. (laughs) Um, And let me talk to you about some colors that I think would really fit the neighborhood, whatever. And like I studied historic preservation. So it was just like, it was, I felt called to insert myself there. So anyways, I helped him with some other changes. I ended up moving into that house and renting that house with my girlfriends. Um, for, for a a year or so, but through that contact, that man that owned that house, I met an architect who was looking, I think for somebody with rude gumption to help him run his business. (laughs) And he found you. (laughs) And we found each other. So I did that. Um, and it was a blast. I mean, I learned so much about, Mm. oh, every, aspect of architecture and also working in it was in Charlottesville and there's historic properties all over there so you kind of had to be really careful about where you put new builds and how to be historically sensitive to things and and so it was a great learning experience now then I question oh mm -hmm. sorry no 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 I was I was just gonna say so here the historical society when there is a home that goes up Mm -hmm. for sale or something there are very certain rules that need to yeah. be adhered to. Is it the same where you are too? Same. Like you're not allowed to same. change anything right. really. Yeah. They're called national standards of the interior. And this is something that happened. You know, it's funny. You go to like a European country and they have Roman ruins right. that they have built around, built onto. Um, and we are a young country. People forget that we are a super young country. So we did not have anything set up in our country until around the 1950s when this group of little old ladies in white tennis shoes were like, no, we need to, this is our history. Like we need to start saving these structures. And so the national standards of the interior, that's how kind of that came about where the the law of the land said you cannot tear or alter these structures um, that we deem historically significant. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was like, I assumed it was a national thing, but yeah, it is. And it's, it's very good that they have that. And actually um, I'll be covering the, my process through getting my house um, historic tax credits. That's a route that I'm going. My next stage of renovations is going to be applying for those historic tax credits. Mm -hmm. And you have to go through this rigmarole and mumbo jumbo of putting your house out there, making sure that they know it's historically significant and following all of their rules. And there's a lot of them. I was going to say, you can't even sometimes change the way a wall even is structured. Right. And, and the older your house is, the more complicated it gets. So, Do you think you're going to hit resistance when you try doing oh this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I hit resistance locally if I try to put a gate on my front walkway. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it is very, very tight. Um, but the thing is, is about asking questions and being involved and also having the perspective of, I am a caretaker of this house. I know I own the house, but more than that, I'm a caretaker of it. Mm -hmm. And in 50 years, somebody else is going to come behind me. And in 50 years beyond that, somebody's going to come behind them, you know? So, so it's more about having the perspective and the mindset of, I am here to make sure that this house stays beautiful, stays original, because we are preserving our culture through our structures. Mm -hmm. So if you kind of think of it that way, then, then it takes the edge off of somebody being like, you can't paint your house this color. Yeah. Oh, you own it. But really 
oh, you can't put that porch on there. You know, it's, yeah. it takes the, the sting out of that a little bit. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it because I guess the initial reaction is just like what you said, but it's mine and I want to do what I want. Yeah. To. Why can't I just change it the way that I want? Exactly. And so not a lot, of, I mean, I get it. Not a lot of people, once you, once you're paying a mortgage, yeah. <laughs> like, I get to do what I want with this. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So you start working with the architect and then you mentioned in your video that you do or did interior design work. So how yeah. did this all kind of evolve? I think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's one of those things here again, like, you know, you, you have a established love of vintage and antique and thrift when you're younger. I was also the little girl who could not keep her room the same. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. All I know is that I've always done it. I love doing it. And I love helping people find their groove. I really do. I, I think that that's such a, it's such an important part of of your, your whole life experience is, is establishing a home and a dwelling that is comfortable, that feels like an oasis that feels safe. You know, really we're talking about creating your own safe space, your own lovely home that you get to enjoy and find enjoyment. in. And then what, if you don't do that, then, then why are you living there? Why are you paying for it? If you're not creating exactly what you want. And that's what I like to do with my clients is just find, help them find their mojo in that, like help them establish their style so that they don't feel like they need to hire me or another version of me down the road, that they can now have the tools that they need to do it themselves. That's such a wonderful tool to give to someone. And I feel like a lot of this comes from just like over like the last, we'll say 10 years, HGTV has taken over everyone's life in our age group, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of that is, I don't want to use the term cookie cutter, but a lot of it's the same, right? Uh-huh. It's the same kind of vibe. It's the same kind of style. They're using the same color, same kind of paint colors. You might have a few people that stray a little differently, but ever since HGTV has become such a prominent channel in, we'll say millennial generations, um, yeah. everyone's house looks and feels the same. The exteriors yep. look and feel the same. Everything about it looks and feels the same. And I think just like what you said, if you can create the interior and in the way that you want, that makes you feel comfortable, but people don't know how to get there because everything yeah. that we see is the exact same thing. Right. And it's, it's also counterintuitive to them. So when I'm looking at HGTV and I don't have that channel in my house because it's triggering, I don't watch it. I do not watch it. So I love Joanna Gaines, but I don't know what she's up to past like three years ago <laughs> because she has her own channel does. now. So she's good. Oh, she's, I mean, yeah. she was always good, but <laughs> she, it, it, it is very true. Um, you second guess yourself, those, those programs that network and it is very helpful to get people started. But if people don't realize that, Hey, uh, that's not me. That's fighting against me. I don't feel that. Like, I don't love that couch. I, but then they end up putting it in their house. Then they are having to add things to this one item that HGTV told them to buy or recommended their room start to look like that. It, it messes up the entire process for them. So I am a big supporter of, and I mention this all the time, if you are walking beside it in the thrift shop or at the estate sale, wherever, at the garage sale, wherever you are, and you see it and you like it, buy it. That's it. Don't think about it. Get it home, live with it, try to incorporate it, move it around, put it in storage, bring it back out, like work with these items and things. And 
And if you start doing that, then you will create your own curated design for yourself. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll start to realize as you put those pieces that you are drawn to together, that will start to define your aesthetic. Yeah. That's a good way to put it too. I, so ever since I started reselling, I've kind of always shied away from the hard goods in terms of selling because Mm -hmm. there's, and and I know that you have an Etsy shop, which you can talk about and and how you kind of curate all that, but there's so much to hard goods. And I feel like when you're in the clothing world, it's very hard to start to transition yourself to also include hard goods. If there's just the hard goods world is vast. And mm-hmm. it's scary. It's it's a very yeah. scary thing to get into when you're not only basing off a of style, when you're starting to base off of brand and mid-century modern and like all these other components that go into it. Um, but I've now, now that I have the, you know, since we moved last year, every time I go in the thrift store, I go in with the attention of, into the home goods section to find small little pieces whenever I can. And I literally just put them on my mantle. And then as I find a place for them, I'm like, okay, well, you can go here now. All right. Right. Maybe this is the right place for you. But that wasn't me before. It's taking me time to kind of like get into that rhythm and just like, okay, this seems like something that I would really enjoy. Like I, I love things that are made out of like tree stumps, like random wooden things. Like, I just really like that. I have no purpose for it, but I will eventually. It speaks to your soul. Right. Right. So I have them. mm -hmm. And and once you do, then you might say, okay, well, I'm starting with tree stumps, but now I'm really also digging rattan. I'm digging natural fibers and furniture. Mm -hmm. Oh, when I pair these things together, it's starting to look good. And you start building like that. And also I can appreciate the polar opposite. If you start digging on tree stump candle holders or whatever, and then you're like, oh no, I love this fancy bougie vase that looks- Mm -hmm. Oh, I like a bougie vase. Yeah, who doesn't? But you know (laughs) what I mean? Like it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. It's mainly, I wish that there was a new movement instead of there being like, the matchy matchy classification. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there was a new movement of like completely unique interiors. Like make me think you're crazy. I want to see rooms that people create that they genuinely feel. Right. I want them to not make sense to me. Like that is my, that would make me feel better. (laughs) But (laughs) somebody that's kind of what we're seeing in the clothing world right now, which is nice to see. So in the, in the clothing space, we're seeing this big shift in like vintage coming really like coming in hardcore. People want the vintage clothing. They want bold. They want different. They want to stand out. They don't, they don't want to look like the models that are walking around. They like unique style is coming in the fashion world. And I would hope that that's the trend that's going to transition over to housewares and, and yeah. home goods. You would well, assume so. that that would happen with time. And you know what you're saying t- makes total sense. Cause the last few auctions I've participated in, I have seen the vintage clothing, like when, so I mainly go to estate sales and auctions in which the entire estate of a person is put up for sale. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you can really figure out who these women were like buy their wardrobe. Mm-hmm. I just went to one who was, they, they don't tell you the family names, of course, right. but they'll say a prominent Charlottesville family. You could tell they had means. They were very well off. She had a lot of designer labels, but she had this really quirky sense of style in which all these vintage, beautiful designer pieces were not the mainstream ones. They were the really, really odd ones. Mm-hmm. And they were bold colors. They were color blocking. They were, you could just, I could tell that she really paid attention to what she purchased for her home and for herself to wear. Um, and she just had a really great way of defining her own style like that. Those are the estate sales that I love going to. That I they have I've a, never been to one. What? I know. Oh. I've never been to an estate sale. I know. And you have to list. go. I know it's on okay. my list. Well, here's the thing. If I want to go to an estate sale, I feel like I want to go out of state. I don't want to go to an estate sale here. Does that make sense? I want to go somewhere different, somewhere unique, somewhere where I'm going to find pieces 
that I guess fit more of my style than what I'm going uh-huh. to find here. Okay. I feel like I even mean, if I went into like Massachusetts, but like in like the farm area of Western Mass, like, I mean, know. I bet there's some really good ones. Right. Like that's like, I could go here in Rhode Island. Sure. Yeah. But there's like a whole world. Like I would love to travel down where you are and go to an estate sales. I feel like there's so much more history there. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, and we live, not that there yeah, we live in a, right. But I know I get what you're saying. It's just different. And yeah. it's funny because like, I have recently to take a side trip on this conversation. I've recently honed in on that. My style is, is Southern. And I had a girlfriend talking to me about, you know, just trying to define stuff, talking about how to work social media, you know, we're, we're just having these open conversations. And she said, you're Bohemian Southern. And I was like, what in the world is that? And so I looked into it and I was like, you know what? She's not wrong. That's the very specific thing that she saw that I was doing that I had no idea I was doing, but she put a title on it. Mm. So let's get back to the conversation we were in. We just took that side journey. It's all right. The, the, the we do a lot of that, that here. Yeah. <laughs> but the pieces that I see here at auction are Americana. They're Southern. And there's a lot of also strangely bohemian. And that's that Apple. We're in Appalachia country here. Okay. So there is that strong influence of things that I find at auction where I'm like, you know, Grandma Moses and things that have that gorgeous, you know, color palette and it's raw and it's primal. I'm drawn to those items too. So we, we are in a unique section of the country that we, we get a lot of, of influence and, yeah. it, and it's, it's seen in people's homes for sure. Right. There's so whenever I think of vintage hard goods, this is something that is on my bucket list and I'm going to do it. I need to find a spot in my house. There's like a wall I'm looking at right here that I could totally do it, like create shelves. I want to Mm -hmm. find vintage Pyrex, but like with all the pretty fun colors, like I want like bold colors or like the really pastel. Like I just want one filled with all different Pyrex containers right there. I'm never going to use them. I just want them to be there. I'm also going to send you an account on Instagram. I don't know what her name is, but I'm going to send it to you because she literally, her whole entire Instagram is about vintage Pyrex. And it's it amazing. fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to send you that, but Perfect. yeah, I mean, you can find that now that is an item right now that is going for crazy amounts I of know. money. I saw so three things that I've seen recently. Um, and I just posted a reel about this um, stoneware gin jars. They're very tall. They have this um, salt glaze on them. They're gorgeous. It almost looks like something that Miss Joanna Gaines would have created for her new line, but they're from the 1800s. So the original. Yeah. People are starting to collect those. um, And I'm seeing the price points inch up a little bit at auction. I'm seeing them online available a little bit more, which is what happened before the ceramic tree craze. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, What's those that? 1950s, <laughs> those 1950s ceramic Christmas trees, you used to plug them in. They have all those little lights. Oh, with the little lights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Nobody knew or cared about those things two years ago. Southern Living Magazine did a highlight in one of their issues. I think it was not the Christmas issue. I think it was like pre-Christmas season um, in which they said it's like the new hot thing. So I went from seeing those things selling at auction, maybe for like 10, 15 bucks. Now you cannot find one that is selling at auction for under a hundred that then they will put onto Etsy for like 150, $200, $300. It's just crazy. I'm pretty sure my mom has one in the basement. Girl, get it. I'm pretty sure she has sell it. <laughs> She's not going to let me sell that. My mom is not that kind of woman. Absolutely I'm not. not either. I appreciate that. <laughs> she is not that kind of lady when it comes to home good type things. She is keeping yeah, that I'm, thing. I'm going to keep it and I'm going to pay for a storage unit, even though we yeah. live. Like I can, that's, I can, that's I can have it here, but it's going in the storage. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> So, um, okay. So you do the interior design, all that, then you decide pandemic hits and you're like, okay, I need to do something with myself because I got a baby now and I'm staying home. 
Mm-hmm. And Julia curated is born. Yeah. So it started off as like the house account slash me mainly selling my all my Etsy. I was like, maybe this is a good platform to like draw more traffic there. And I was, I was, it's funny because on average I pull about 75% of traffic through Instagram to my Etsy shop. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm going to link Julia's Etsy shop. She's it's um, on vacation vacation mode. mode. I'm restocking it right now. And I've got some great things. It's just that when I put up, it's kind of funny. I do this like twice a year. I'll put it on vacation mode. I'll refresh the items and it'll be like a more curated, especially seasonal. Like I'll stop it right in July, really to prep for December. Mm -hmm. Because I sell a lot of vintage holiday. So so you do really well with it then? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do okay. And the problem right now, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably know about this if they're reselling, is shipping. Shipping is biting me. I just can't. I can't price things that I want to price low and offer free shipping yeah. um, because shipping has, it cost me $18 to send something that was eight ounces to Oregon. Oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, that this was is where Etsy your website shipping. can come handy. Yeah. You can I use know, Shopify. I <laughs> and I, I'm going to go down that road. I think I was just offered to like, be allowed to sell on Instagram. Um, oh, so I'm, 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 I'm throwing that around. I'm, I've got to look and see, I'm really consumed right now with creating new and different content because that is where my happiness lies. Yeah. I love doing reels. I love creating, um, weeks and themes within the weeks where I can share things with my followers, which I don't like that term. Can we I just create say a my new friends. term for followers? <laughs> my friends. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm not, y'all help me out more than I'm helping y'all out. I'm following you. (laughs) Seriously. Like my whole community on there has helped me do everything for me. And you know, this picking out wallpaper, picking out fabric, picking out all the things for my house. Like I listen when I put up polls, I listen because it seriously helps me get out of my own way. If I can see other people's perspectives on things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's neat that you incorporate you know, that love that you have for antiquing and finding things and giving them another life and offering them to other people who maybe can't find those specific pieces in their area or don't know how to do it or don't want to. They want someone to curate things for them and they just go online, they search for something and they, they get it, you know? And I think it just allows you to be creative in another way in your life. Like you had the antique store and Mm -hmm. This is just another way for you to do that and continue that journey. Yeah, it is. And it's always evolving. I get bored very easily. And I feel Me like maybe you have that. Yeah, I was going to say like, I could read people and you have that. That's like, you can't sit still and you always have to evolve and you always have to mix it up and change it up. I am very much like that. So I, like sometimes I'll swing back hard into antiques and vintage and then I'll swing really hard into doing more of the social media side of things. And then I'll be interested in creating a new app new for something. So I, I do, I do pop around quite a bit, but it all comes back to the same thing, right? It's being creative. It's finding ways to use older, right? Vintage items and, or vintage techniques, whatever it is, because you share recipes too. And these are things that were passed down or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. It is very much like, um, all of my recipes tend to go towards Southern. Um, so like I just did a tomato pie that is an old and people are like, what in the world? Why would you make a tomato pie? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not going to lie. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like real strange, but I tell you what, it's good. And it is a very old relic of a recipe. My Mimi made it. My Mimi's from Jasper County, South Carolina. My mama grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. So we have Southern cooking in our blood. And I don't, mm. I don't think I know how to cook any other way. I try. I tried to make mufunga and I, it didn't work well. Let's just say that it's a, it's a Puerto Rican dish. My husband wanted it and I was like, I'm born and raised Italian first generation. All I know is Italian. Like I can try to make something else. It's not going to come out good. So I'm, I'm coming over for dinner. Like I'll just fly up. It'll be fine. (laughs) 
Actually, you can you fly up in a day. That way we can go to an auction. Yes. But you'd have to we stay in Boston to. because then you would love Boston. You'd have to go to Massachusetts. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You would love it. Well, and also one of my, my favorite musical artists is Lori McKenna. Okay, then. Who's from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would probably go try to stalk her, obviously, while I'm up here. Yeah. We now have a full itinerary. Right. We're make so Italian food, tomato pies, stock, Lori McKenna. It's gonna be great. Yeah, we're gonna go to estate sales and thrift together, uh-huh. and you're gonna fall in love with New England, and you're gonna want to buy a summer home here. That's exactly what's gonna happen. You could renovate yeah. a summer home, add it to the list. It won't take, it won't take much to renovate. I do a little hard every day. <laughs> I spend multiple hours on that. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just looking at other people's houses being a lawyer. Okay. So we've kind of gone all over the place, but I love that. I know. I'm real, like when you were like coming to my podcast, I was like, she has no idea. I'm like a no. tornado. Of tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, that's no. what the episode should be called, Tornado of Tangents. <laughs> Julia the Tornado. Get to know her. <laughs> I'm I'm actually looking at the store right now, and it is so. First of all, that vintage watering can that you have, I've been on the lookout for something similar like that to put in my garden. You know what? I've gotten so many messages about that. I'm such an idiot. Do you know what that is? No. What is it's it? It's an oil can. Oh, I was just gonna say it looks like from Wizard of Oz, like a tin oil yes. can. Yes. Yes. I'm like. I'm such a dumb dumb that I saw it and I was like, oh, that's a cute little like orchid watering can. That's what it kind of and and they do in my defense they do have like vintage orchid water sprayers, but they also have the can like the version that you can just plunk water into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does resemble that. But either so, way, something like that, like as a decorative piece, would like be so that. darling on a shelf. Like stack it yes. up on some books. Just add funky things into your home it doesn't have to be so you know I found this at Target this holds a candle I think so many people get bogged down with it has to look like it functions in that space like why would I put an oil can in my living room on top of books well because it's interesting and people are going to say what is that yeah and that's what you want to do when when they come into your house you want conversation starters right Mm -hmm. I do yeah I agree well so talking about homes your house is built in 1810? 1816. 1816. Okay. And explain the story of this house because you had mentioned it one day and I didn't go any further with it, but they picked your house up. Yeah. It's bananas. (laughs) It's absolutely freaking crazy. So, all right. Imagine this. I'm going to set the landscape for you. So Stanton is very hilly. We, we are I'm I'm in the office right now and it's so weird because we're on a podcast so no one's going to see my you know it's fine I can I'm see trying. and okay, the I'm window's closed so I really can't yeah. see it <laughs> we are on a very our house is built on a on actually a decline of a hill okay so the front of my house sits up two stories yep. the back of my house is four stories because it's okay. built into yep. a hill yep. so in 1860s you know, when the house was built, it was built down the hill. And in 1906, they started drawing public utilities down the main road. And in order at the time, in order for you to receive public utilities, you had to bring your house closer. They were not going to draw a line down to the house. Yeah, that's how things used to be done. If you were too far off the beaten path, they said, oh, well, you're going to always have to have an outhouse or (laughs) whatever be stuck in the dark ages right so yeah and at that time they moved the house and when they did they had to turn it for stability reasons so I have this extremely ornate door in my kitchen which is on the side of my house because that used to be the front door of the farmhouse 
Yeah. Which is so strange. And then what they did when they picked it up, they built those two layers. They added a spiral staircase, an internal spiral staircase that goes up four floors. They added what used to be the side of the house. They put a porch, busted out a door and made that look now like the front of the house. Hmm. And then they added two stories on the side. They smushed two stories on the side of it to make it look more symmetrical. So it's a, it's a quilt of a house. It's patchwork. Yeah. And the fact that they moved this house in early 1900s with That's screw jacks and horses. I mean, I told when I heard that, I looked at the guy who was doing our, um, oh, what do you call it? You know, when you make sure you're not buying a, a home inspector. Home inspector. I looked yep. at our home inspector and I was like, is this going to fall down the hill? Yeah. <laughs> That's how... Like, how sure are you that 1900s technology is going to hold this old girl up? Because I am not sure. Right. And he was like, yeah, they really knew what they were doing. They were, they were smart enough and they were resourceful enough to do this. It's just crazy. I know. I could, I could barely renovate a room and I yeah. have Google and a full crew. Your rooms are amazing. Okay. Well, it's, it's a, it's a work in progress. It's going to be a 10 year project. We're in at least (laughs) four. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, it's a lifetime. It's a lifetime for sure. But it's yours. Yeah. You know, it's yours and And it's, it's history. Yeah. And it's an amazing, amazing house. It's just, and we actually, it's kind of, funny the first ever city manager um his name's Ashburner the the position of city manager which is now a very common thing to have in the you work in the state mm-hmm. governments so you know plenty of city managers well the first ever job of city manager was created for Stanton Virginia and they found this man named Ashburner and they invited him here to create this new role and he bought this house and so in 1906 and 1909 when all of these major renovations happened he was the one who was doing it because he was prominent he was from like Stanton's Stanton was a railroad town we we didn't have bougie people here we didn't have we had a couple people of enormous wealth but other than that it was lower income so the fact that he came here he was raised in Bombay he had diplomatic parents um and then he moves to this tiny town he put a lot of money into this house and making it grand um so that he could have the lifestyle he was used to right and now you have this house and now I'm just trying to (laughs) to make it work (laughs) Trying to make it work. Got some holes in the wall. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Just don't step on that floor over there. You might fall through. <laughs> it's going to be, be beautiful though. So if you go on Julia's Instagram, you'll see her kitchen, which is like a prominent place that Julia's always in, which I appreciate because her kitchen is gorgeous. Oh, Your stove you. is like the centerpiece <gasps> of the whole home. The blue lady. We yes. named her. The She's beautiful. Lady. She's an Ilve. It's an Italian range. Okay, so you need to teach me some Italian recipes. Um, and it, it's like, that was one thing. We did a lot of the work ourselves because we wanted to be able to afford that range. And I don't regret it at all. So um, my list of things to do here is to buy all of the Italian appliances. So right now we have the dishwasher. Next mm-hmm. will be the stove. Then will be the fridge. Yeah. There's just something about them, guys. Trust me. It Well, it's just... It's they better. know what they're doing in the kitchen. <laughs> it's just better. Okay. Just going to say it's it is better. better. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about how you acquire these pieces for your home. So mm-hmm. many of the items that Julia has in her home or just in general in her life are from estate sales, they're vintage, they're antique, all of that. And she recently did a whole series on her page where she talked about estate sales and how she finds these estate sales and what her process is and how she finds these pieces and the relationships that she forms and all that kind of stuff. So why don't you share with our listeners how to even go about estate sale shopping, whether it's for resale or it's for yourself, because the rules apply the same way, whether it's for resale or for yourself. Yes. And I want to stress what you just said. So if you are reselling, and you are not participating in local estate sales, you are missing out 
on so much. Like there is, it is an untapped resource. So how do you go about doing this? And it's funny because I also have so many conversations with my friends that are like hella intimidated by this because they envision it with like a loud man on a pulpit. You're like, but I got to get it. And I'm like, yeah, there's those. But like, honestly, they happen more pre-pandemic. Now, a lot of these auction houses in order to survive have gone to an online auction bidding forum. Um, so it is intimidating still. But I think if you just understand the process and what's happening, it's not as scary. Do you want to know what so, I'm afraid of? And this yeah. is in the reseller world. There's so much competition. Mm-hmm. Even if you're yeah. buying just for yourself, there is right. so much competition because people will be able to pick something out from a tiny photo that's online and know that piece right there is valuable and I need it. Like, right. I don't know that stuff. Well, most of these places will have a preview and a preview is something that will say, okay, for this one day, you come and you look at all of these items. And I always encourage people when they go to the preview, you need to have a pen and paper and each item or lot. And a lot refers to multiple items that you'll bid on and purchase the whole lot of them. Each lot will have an assigned number. You write down the number you look at the bottom of everything. You look at who makes it. You look if it's scratched. You, if it's an upholstery piece, check for smells. This is your opportunity to not just see it online, but to be in person with it and see the quality of it. And that's so important. I bid blind all the time. I have had some wins from that and I have had some major losses. <laughs> I have bought an entire thing of dishes that were cracked. Oh no. And it wasn't a little bit of money. It was like, it was every bit of 50, $60, which is a lot of money to me. Yes, it Um, is. So I've had like, I, it's just, it's really important to try to preview if the auction house in your area does. Um, and the other thing is, is to be kind of cognizant that, you know, what you're willing to pay for this item. And don't go a cent above it. That's another conversation I have to have with myself all the time because, oh, are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, this thing in my ear went call in. Oh, no, I can still hear I was like, excuse me, I am not done talking. (laughs) I am still on this podcast. Um, I lost my train of thought. So, uh, we were talking about bidding and not going over that price that you, yes, exactly. Because a lot of people also don't know that there's a buyer's premium and a buyer's premium refers to the amount of money that the auction house takes. So most of these places are going to have a 15 to 17% buyer's premium. Wow. Right. A lot of money, but here's the other thing. If you are a reseller, You need to take your tax ID number with you because you then won't have to pay your tax on it. That's always Mm -hmm. super important. So it makes the buyer's premium less scary and less effective on your, on your resale price. um, If you can take off that 5.3% or whatever your tax rate is. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's a good tip. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what else there's, it's just getting What's in the, the best flow. thing you've ever found at an estate sale, whether it was for yourself or to sell in your Etsy shop, whatever, like what, what would you say? Maybe it doesn't have to be necessarily a brand. It could be something unique that you found. Let me see. I love I, that bumblebee thing that you recently got. I mean, it that's gives me such Gucci vibes. I know. And it's just like, it was so, it's like, okay. This is the thing with the preview, right? I flew by that when I was looking at the online stuff and I was like, not interested when I was there in person, it called to me. And that's actually eventually what I spent my money on. 
you know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's like, that's so important. I have had, um, I guess, you know, my most cherished things that I buy at auction are people's old photographs and photo albums. Oh my God. You're the second person to tell me this, that they go into these <laughs> estate sales and they find old photos and some of them actually I, sell for money. They do. They do. And it's just like a weird niche. Like, um, I don't sell them. Like I, I feel like I save them. Like I get very upset when I feel like the family didn't care enough to step in and get the photographs. And I know that that's just a personal thing that irks me. But if I'm like, you know, I'm going to, my son's going to inherit like tubs of old people's photographs that he doesn't know, but you know what? There's a hope within me that one day there's going to be an online face recognition technology tool that we can put all these old photographs up on. People can find lost history of mm-hmm. theirs. And I don't mind being the library. <laughs> Sounds crazy. That's why. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I was sorry. My, my computer, I muted it by accident. So that's why we have a storage unit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> put so it on the storage unit, just in case you never know. No, I just think it's, I think that's fascinating that that's one thing that you're drawn to. Like I would not be, I would be interested to like, look at it, but not yeah. to pick up. Yeah. It's a weird order thing. It's definitely like one of my, I started now I can't stop. And I'm like, well, I saved the other estate sales photo, you know, photos. I got to save this one. I got to save just, them all now. Right. I mean, it's a problem. It's like adopting pets. I, I just adopt. I, I now hoard old, old photographs of people. I have no idea who they are. But it's also like, when you look through them, do you think like, oh, I wonder what this was about and what did they do here? Yes. And like, it's just... Yeah. And some of them are really cool. Like actually the, the estate sale I just went to the woman, the char- prominent Charlottesville family, you know, and she, she had, and I, I didn't get this lot because it was, it went for a lot of money. Um, pictures with Dustin Hoffman pictures with all of these, all of these very famous people. And this was just, when I tell you, it was so many photographs of famous people. Like she knew every super famous person from the seventies and eighties. And she had a, she had a was she? Did you ever figure out who I she was? No, like I would see this blonde woman and in, in some of the pictures, but then there was like two or three blonde women. And I knew that she was blonde because she also had a self-portrait done that was up for auction, but it was like kind of the back of her. So I couldn't see her face. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit of that, like national treasure treasure, trying to figure out these clues, putting them together. Like it, every auction feels like that to me. It's very yeah. exciting stuff. More people should do it. I'm telling you, there's a lot of fun. So here's my question to you. Have you noticed since the pandemic and kind of like, well, I'd say over the last year or two, have you noticed more people attending these estate sales or auctions, whether it is for selling or just people trying to furnish their home because everything's so expensive now? Yes. Yeah. I have noticed fresh faces. I have also noticed in particular resellers who are interested in mid-century modern. Huge community for that huge. And so what they do, and they're smart as a whip, honestly, if I, if I had a store up in New York, I'd be, I'd be coming down here because they can pick Mm -hmm. up full mid-century bid sets for like two, $300, sell it for two, $3,000 or more up in New York. Um, that's one Avenue and area I've seen a huge influx in, but I've also seen you like we're younger, like younger generations, because beforehand, when I would go to some of these estate sales that were in like held in the firehouses or a basement of a church, it was me. And then like 80 year olds. I was going to say grandma. <laughs> and those are my people. I'm like, let's yeah. talk about this. What are Same. you making tonight? Dinner? Do you want another grandchild? I'll be your adopted. Yeah, you can grand- adopt me. It's fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm coming over for dinner. This is cool. No, but it's yeah. like, it's, and they're, they're always so willing to help and talk and share like the wealth of knowledge you will get when you go to these estate sales and you bump into the random guy with a clipboard who obviously knows his stuff and you just strike up casual conversations with him, you will not believe the rabbit holes that you will go to, that you will go in, in these conversations. You'll find out they're the most interesting people, what they collect, what they've seen, what they know. And they're so willing to talk about it. Yeah. That's that's a great part. Between vintage 
sellers or lovers of vintage within whether it's the fashion world or it's the home goods world when you bring us together it's like our brains just right just align everything aligns and it's we all have the same love of saving these things Mm -hmm. and repurposing them and finding new ways i mean you're doing it with your house you're repurposing and finding a new way to modernize in a sense and bring this life i mean bring life back to the house Right. And you're doing it by decorating and obviously fixing things up here and there. But yeah, that's that's what brings us. That's what draws us all together is just there's just something about saving an item that would end up in the trash. Right. Or not a pre- like loving something again. Mm-hmm. Like it was obviously so well loved and preserved that it made it through generations. And then you get the honor to do that again. It's special. And it's special people that, that have it within them to know the value of that and not just fast fashion and not just fast furniture, but to find and continue the legacy of an heirloom. It's very important. Absolutely. So here's another question for you. Do you thrift your own clothing? Yes. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Cause I'm in there looking for other stuff. So if I go buy something, I'm like, oh yeah, I will definitely look at it auction. Now you have the like, estate sales. It's harder because yeah, it's a fa- very particular, it depends on the estate, yeah. right? There's so many different things that go into it. Yeah. Right. But yeah, when I'm at a thrift store and I'm look, looking for hard goods, smalls, we get like in the antique business, we used to mm-hmm. call them smalls. When I'm doing that and I see something that catches my eye, 100%. Yeah. What about for yeah. your son? Do you thrift clothing for him? Some a little bit, but the stuff that I feel like we are so fortunate that we have so many friends who have boys that are oh, older so than to him. worry about it. Oh my gosh. We, I, I don't think I've bought a proper like regimen of outfits for him in, in a year because people oh, will be like, good. Oh, spring's coming up here. These, you know, the, he doesn't yeah. wear these anymore. And I'm like, okay, I'll take all of them. Yeah. Absolutely. He's still secondhand. He's still repurposing. Right. Yeah. I, I just that. didn't have to do any of the work of picking <laughs> yeah. it out. <laughs> it was just handed to you, which is even better. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, I want to be mindful of your time, obviously, because I know you've got little one oh. that you've got to get back to and stuff, but this was, I mean, yeah. we could obviously talk for two or three more hours. So right. I just want to throw that out there. We could absolutely keep talking. And how fun has this been? I mean, how I've had such fun. a, I know so next time fun. we do this though, we're going to have a little champagne or something. Yes. We got to do it after hours. We'll have yeah. to do an after hours podcast. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, that would be fun. I, I, I'm going to plug you in every way okay. that I can. I've already done it before, but Julia's information is going to be in the description. Make sure you follow her on Instagram because her reels are hysterical. I oh, love your reels. She like, thank you. there's just something about them. Well, you're creative. It's, it's very evident <laughs> that you love to be creative. But the, the, the French mode, like just you're a French oh. woman in one, then you're a Southern I, gal in another <laughs> one. And it's just like, she's an actor. It's amazing. It is. I mean, it is a platform where you can, you can fly. your crazy. Yeah. You can fly and honey, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but you're also a little fashionista. Okay. I don't well, care. No, you are. I love clothes. I love, yes. I do love, I, I love a dress. I do. Yeah. I love a good outfit. Yeah. And, a, and, and your a bold page is pattern. very welcoming. So everyone go give Julia a follow on there. You will not be disappointed, especially if you love like the home goods vibe. And, and you talk about a little bit of everything. You've got recipes, you, mm-hmm. you show things that you're wearing, you show home good things, your renovation. And I know a lot of people in this community are very much into all that stuff as well. So definitely awesome. give her a follow. She has a blog. She's got the Etsy. It's on vacation mode, but she will be back with more things. Mm-hmm. You need a, you need your own podcast or YouTube is what you need. That's the one thing you're missing. I mean, I feel like I could do this. Yeah, I don't know could. though. I've will you teach me your ways? Yeah. Yes, I will <laughs> teach you. I will teach you. Um, but I feel like a YouTube, you could totally be vlogging your journey. I probably should. Yeah, and I've you could repurpose that content and make it into reels. I mean, now I have a whole nother thing to keep me up tonight. Or a YouTube short, which is like another big thing. Yes. Yeah, so I like don't know reel. about this. It's like what? a reel. So you can make your channel and have it be all shorts 
to start until you decide to make an actual video. Listen, we're going to talk after this. Okay. We're going to talk. We, we are going to talk for hours. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everyone. I will be back next week with another interview with um, two very special guests, which you guys know in the community very well. They're a reselling couple, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to have to tune in to next week's episode. So we will talk to you guys next time. Bye everyone.